Welcome to the Autobahn Country Club Podcast, where your host, club member John Graybeal, opens the doors to America's premier auto sports club. Now, here's John. Let's say recording. Hello. Are we recording now? <laughs> it's supposed to be. It sounds like it is. There's just a little bit of an echo, but that's perfect. It sounds good. All right. So, are, are you starting? Are you starting? I, I don't know. You always start the podcast. I know, but I'm kind of like the color commentary of the podcast. Your color commentary. Oh, God help us. This podcast is in for a rude shock about, I'm, you know, coming in with nothing. So this is Mark McFarland. Should I do my radio voice again? Um, no. you start. I like how you started always. I, I know what it is, but, but I, if I start it, but then you're, I'm like... Should I be like Marv Albert? I was watching yes. the Last Dance last night. So I've not watched any of the Last Dance. I just watched the first one last night. But um, we digress. Let's focus. Let's focus. Welcome to the Autobahn Podcast with John Graybill, and who's <laughs> playing host today, Mark McFarland. How's that? And then you say, "That's good." And then you say, "Hi, John." Oh well, hi John. Can you tell me your? Can you tell me your name? John Graybeal. Graybeal. What nationality is Graybeal? Uh Swiss or something. I'm not sure if is Swiss even a nationality. I'm not sure it is. I, I'm not sure either. I just know you love German food. And Bavarian food, which Bavaria is part of Switzerland. There is part of Switzerland that is Bavaria in Austria and Germany. Okay. So that makes it okay. Now that makes sense. Ah, so how was your weekend? We had a fun weekend, didn't we? We're recording this. Yeah. Um, so what is what is the date today? I don't even know what today's date is. June but. June first. June first. And had a wonderful it, opening weekend of some racing. Yeah. So the first weekend. Yeah, this past weekend at the Audubon Country Club. There, the thirty. 30th, 31st? Yes. Yeah, 30th and 31st. Yeah. So two two Miata races, I think, a Radical race, then GT racing yesterday. And, of course, our families were down at the kart track for the big first uh, kart track race. And, uh, boy, congratulations to the McFarland family for quite the win in the junior division. Thank you very much, and congratulations to the Graybeal family for quite a, a, a finish for a rookie in the senior class and or and then also a rookie in the junior class and then team Graybeal in the open class taking second and third yeah so we just got to get Caitlin on the podium at the same time and we'll have a a, a four peat of podium podiumness is that yeah. a word podiumness podiumness I don't know and then the um we were having dinner, was it Saturday night? I think it was, correct? Saturday night. Uh, after the Miata races and the young man that we had on the podcast earlier this year won, uh, what, S, S, uh, what, SM2? Yeah, 16-year-old Sean Varrig. Varrig. If you haven't heard that podcast, he's a big sim racer. Yeah, he went out um, SM2. The Miata race uh, won it. Uh, had a blistering 
I think like 138 on the South track for the pole position and just ran away with it. Yeah. He had a great, he had a great day. So it was really cool to see a, uh, a 16 year old on the, in that massive competition. That was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I met, I was first time meeting him face to face this weekend. Very well-spoken, nice young man. And, and just speaks to the quality of the, the kids and everything coming up through our programs and how, how eloquent they are and polite and just really, you know, was trying not to make a big deal that he just won his first, you know, Miata race. So very yeah, impressed with him. Very impressed. It was a, a big deal for me, but I didn't win. It's a big deal for me that I knew the winner, I guess. I don't know. Maybe. There you go. Can I say that? Yeah. Yeah, of course you can. Now, did you get one of uh, your little new Mustang out on the track this weekend? No. No, I didn't. did not. Oh, but no, we need to talk about the, 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 the radical race too. Oh yeah, uh, jo- uh, again another um, part of our pit that we pitted with the uh, Jordan Missig taking the win in for the Radicals. Yeah, pretty uh, pretty incredible um, win. Well, I don't know if it's an incredible win for him. He's so good. Can you say an incredible win? No, no. I think you can just say his another talent win. is yeah. Another his win. talent is extremely deep. He hadn't driven, for example, he got out in his go kart on Sunday morning. Literally had not done a lap this year in that go-kart. Uh, his, his dad worked, you know, long hours getting it all tuned up, cleaned up, and ready to run. Jordan hops into it and um, comes in second place for the whole race. So super impressive with that. Yeah, he's quite the yeah, – yeah, he was big at the car track before he got into Radicals, and now he's still big in the car track even after he's in Radicals. And, of course – uh, racing F3s. We haven't really talked much about that, but, um, uh, Jordan Mystic racing and go over there. He has a week, he has a weekly podcast that talks about what he's doing, where he is, uh, to keep track of that. It's a video podcast. It's not very long, 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes at the most. Uh, you can check in on exactly what a young 20 year old, young twenties, he's 21 or 22, uh, a young 20, 20th, 20 year old, Yes. Can I say that sounds Young. like he's 20. He's older than 20. How he's doing <laughs> mid 20 in mid 20 year old, early 20s. And anyway, 20s. how he's growing, growing in racing. You can check out that podcast at Jordan Mystic Racing Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter and all that stuff, which I don't know the exact handle. Do you call them handles Google. like in the CB? Just, Back yeah, in just the Google CB? it. Yeah, just Google it. Jordan Missick Racing, you're going to go there and all that stuff will be there. Then you can go watch the podcast, listen to the podcast and see what he's doing. He will be on the podcast, we hope, this year in a lengthy um, uh, catch-up. We interviewed him and his father season two, I think, about sim racing and how a young man starts off uh, racing and going from sim racing to karting to cars. Yes. Excellent. Yes, we have a lot planned on the podcast. I'm very excited. Our, our year continues to build to be a very good, solid year of excellent podcasts, usually hosted by John Graybeal. But today, I get the opportunity to ask John some questions. So, yeah, yeah. Are you, are you a little bit nervous, John? Uh, uh, it's just a conversation. Why should I get nervous? <laughs> well, you know, I'm about to interview you, you know. We're going to go deep into the history of John Graybill, better understanding of John Graybill. Yeah, right. What makes what what makes John Graybill tick? Or we we could do that, 
or we could talk about the new information about the race school, race licensing school. So I'll give you a choice. We can go really deep into who John Grabeel is and what makes him tick, or we could talk about the race licensing school at the Audubon. Ah, uh, the latter. Let's talk about that. <laughs> And a ladder program we have as well. See, like how I pulled that together? That was good. That was really well good. 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 <laughs> so, hey, John, so let's talk about this racing licensing school that has started up and what it consists of and kind of like that. So I'm going to kind of open it up to you, let you kind of run with it a little bit, and I'll interject some questions if I'm a little bit confused, but uh, which should, you know, I promise I won't interject too much. Uh, but tell us about a little bit about it. So yeah, the race licensing school. Um, so here's what I know and I'm not Tony Kester <laughs> and Tom Bagley have the whole history of it, but in the past they didn't run the race, race licensing school before really early on in, in, as the track opened up because they wanted new racers to get a bunch of track time before they even offered the school. So the school's traditionally offered in May-ish after the track has been open for a month. So they don't offer it like in March or the first day it opens to get your race license because they want you to get on the track and practice, uh, which didn't necessarily fall into, I don't think, anybody in our class because we had all been members for some time and had uh, quite a bit of lapping experience. I suppose the least, so I took the class and my son, 15-year-old, uh, 16-year-olds today, June 1st. Yeah. Um, Congratulations. Happy Mitch. birthday, Mitch. <laughs> he took the he took the class. Um, he probably had the least least amount of tracking experience in a car. Um, but I don't know if you put all this carding stuff experience together, he probably had more track time than all of us. He got way more track time than me if you count the carding stuff. Anyway, so that's why they offer it when they offer it. And it was always a one-day school. <laughs> Uh, it was always a one day school. Now it is a two day school, which I applaud them. I actually wanted a four day school. If I could build, maybe we'll talk about that in a second. If I could build the perfect school. So yeah, we headed up. Um, I had my cars up there. So Mitchell had his own car. I had my own, my own car. We headed up there early Tuesday morning. Okay. And, uh, rolled in about before eight, and we grabbed our fifth wheel camper and said we were going to come in Monday night, but we rolled our fifth wheel camper. We had to take our go-karts. I had all four go-karts in our karting trailer. So we hauled them up there, put them in there in the in our garage, went and got the camper, set the camper up, went and ordered breakfast because breakfast was included at 930, got our breakfast, went back. I had the breakfast. Have you had the breakfast burrito? Uh, I had it once and I couldn't eat the whole thing because Chef Piggy oh, makes it's massive. It, it it can it's it's it can literally feed the whole entire Grabeel family. It was good and I I couldn't finish it, but I, it was so good. I, it was well, that's uh, what Mitchell's for. You just throw it over to Mitchell and he'll he'll eat it. He had the like mm. cinnamon roll, but then they gave me a muffin too. They gave me a breakfast burrito as big as my head and a and a tiny <laughs> muffin. So the burrito was is huge and the muffin is tiny. It's like as big as your thumb. Oh, well. I don't. I don't get that. Okay, so we so let's let's backtrack a little bit. So, uh, uh, does everybody have to go to racing school? So, I mean, we were just talking about Jordan Missick. Is he clepped out of that, or everybody every year has to 
go to some type of schooling or something to get their licensing? Yeah, great question that I think it's rather individual, but Tony Kester is going to have to follow up on that. Um, I think okay. it is somewhat individual. Uh, you can come in with like an SCCA race license or other race license that they may, may honor the way I understand it. Okay. But if you're like myself and my son, we've never had a race license anywhere. So we had to take the class to get our provisional race license, which you have to have before you can race at the club or some type of race license. So I mean, imagine if you bring your own race license in, uh, then you're, probably good to go they probably honor that so including in that was um a physical okay so um uh we pulled that off so we both if if you have like i I, being an airline pilot i get a physical all the time i suppose you could turn that in but i actually had i ran to my buddy's place um and he did a physical for uh for Mitch and I, so we did a physical. Okay. There was like three or four pages. You had to fill out an application, then you had to fill out the racing experience slash racing or lapping experience. I guess really was what it what it is. And they give you a lapping logbook. So I, I, I didn't even know we had these. So when you join, this is actually pretty good, particularly if you don't have a race license. Um, if you it, to to get this, I mean, it's a pretty cool little logbook, and you can log what cars you're driving and and how much you've lapped. So that way you can provide that as supporting documents that you're, you just didn't go by a fill in the blank car. Ferrari challenge car. (laughs) Ferrari challenge car, got it on the track and then showed up for race school the next day. So they do want you a little bit of um, history. So that's all the paperwork there's involved. And it it did take, (laughs) did take a little bit to, to um, get that. There was a funny there's an interesting vision test to see your vision range that you have to have in degrees. And that was somewhat confusing on the form for all of us, including the medical professionals. And, uh, I actually went to the SCCA website and they actually had a picture, a graphic of how you're supposed to do it uh, to get this range of vision, range of motion or vision, not range of motion, vision range, um, for each eye. Okay. That was kind of of weird, but just if anybody's filling out that form, just go, when you go to your doctor, just go to the sec thing and you'll see a graphic of how they do it. Then you can tell the, 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 you know, their medical provider exactly what to do. Is it like checking your peripheral vision basically? Yeah. You, you sit uh, knee to knee, you close one eye, the other person mirrors that you take a, a pen or something, you start out at 90 degrees from you and you bring it all the way, sweep it all the way across in front to make sure you can see the, the pen through night, 180 through, I guess through 90 degrees. Okay. And then the other one's through 90 degrees. And they do additional tests like this where it goes vertical. This was only for horizontal, I guess is what SCCA does. That's where I got it. From. It was the same verbiage. That's how I, but it's somewhat confused. I got to be honest. It's somewhat confusing in our documentation, but we figured it out. Good deal. Good deal. So, and just one more follow-up question for you, because I know you did a lot of open class racing, and your wife Heidi, it didn't. I think she won the open class last year at the Autobahn in, in the Cayman, if I remember correctly. That you don't need the, the this racing school competitive competition school to go do that. You're referring to the chase races. 
Yeah, she sorry. she won the open division chase open division in karting, which is a chase race. Chase races its own race on the big track on full track Fridays, and I think she got third, second or okay. third. She did not. She did not win her rookie okay. year, but she was rookie of the year in our house for chase racing. You do not, and that's considered not wheel to wheel racing, so you don't need a race license for chase racing in the novice division this year. Uh, we had that update from Mike Ritter that if you do have a race license, you automatically go into the what they call the pro division for chase race. If you do not have a race license, you go into the novice division. So you could have a bazillion chase races, and you're still going to be in the novice division, I guess. Um, okay. Maybe individually might be changed. But anyway, that's the kind of like the how they're different, differentiating. Yes. But those, <laughs> those, the, those chase races that you speak of, though, would be excellent things to put in your um, log Lapping book. logbook. Exactly. Okay. So now we're up to speed, so, so to speak. We're, we're just coming off pit row, basically, is where I see us. So we, <laughs> we now know that what type of racing, what the school, you know, when it was. Um, are we going to have other schools coming available? I believe they do have – I think there's one in the spring and one in the fall. Okay. I'm going to sp- – speak for the club that when there's enough people that need a race license, they'll probably put together another school, but there's generally one scheduled, I think spring and fall. Okay, good. So t- talk to me, like, so you got there, you had a burrito the size of Texas oh, and, good. and a muffin the size of New Hampshire or, um, isn't that the smallest state, New Hampshire? No, what's Rhode the smallest? Island. Rhode, Rhode, Rhode Island. Island. Sorry. I know my 50 States. Trust me. Um, so you had this big burrito and a muffin, and they didn't just hand you your, your license. What did we do in the classroom? So uh, we left our car. So, well, yeah, that's it. We went and got our cars, uh, checked the lug nuts, all the pressures, the oil, all that stuff. And they were, so they were ready to go, um, <clears throat> had all of our gear there. So we went over to class. Class was held in the members building okay and ran by tony so the our instructors were tony kester brad beal um and uh ben um hasbrook were the three instructors that were outstanding outstanding so tony's been on the podcast brad beal we do have an interview with him he was a tail gunner to b52 b52 which is pretty cool we have his podcast the next one we will definitely need to get ben on the podcast he was on the. He stopped by last last year, last yep. December, last podcast. He stopped by for a drive by, and and joined us for a second. Ben's great. Um, those guys were, were were there helping. There was five of us in class. So myself, my son, and a real experienced uh, racer. Two, um, two other gentlemen. So it was all uh, all four guys. Two other gentlemen who had you know similar experience to me, maybe a little bit more. And yeah, there was supposed to be an open wheel there, which is interesting because we had a schedule for for open wheel practice and closed wheel practice, but he unfortunately couldn't make it, so it made it a little bit more efficient. So we because we could all stay out at the same time with with uh, GT cars. Sure. So Tony starts it off with just uh, kind of laid out exactly what the class was all about, where we were going, and um, the majority of the first day was about driving the car and lapping on the north track okay 
And when you say driving the car, give me a little bit more detail than, you know, just about that. Is it like understanding apexing and proper, you know, you're using knowing where other cars are on the track or are we talking, you know, how to get the best lap time mm-hmm. out there? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think we finished as soon as we got done with the classroom portion, we went and grabbed, grabbed lunch. Let's, can we talk about food again? Cause I had yeah. the, you really so, loved <laughs> the food was good. So, cause the second day we didn't eat, which I'm always really disappointed about. So the first they say, what do we have? I had the, is it pot roast quesadilla? Mm-hmm. And Mitchell had, I think he had a regular quesadilla. We couldn't finish it. We, I only had one piece. The thing was, that was huge. And chips. We um, put it in the refrigerator in the camper and had it for dinner that night. Which was Nice. Really, it was really good. Really good. So after lunch, we so we got in our cars. So we went over and we got, you know, when I'm trying to do two cars, I think we were the last ones to the class and last ones out on track to get ready to go out. That's okay. But it's really, it's, um, oh, no. More importantly, scratch that. Reverse, go all the way back, go all the way back. The first thing we did is we did what Tony called the rolling track walk. So instead of walking, like we might go walk walk a cart track, we yes. didn't walk the whatever 1.7 miles of the north track, whatever that is. We got in our cars and we drove to each turn and we met up, got out of the cars and we met up and we talked about each turn, where to enter where to apex and where to um, exit the turn on every turn. So there's what one nine is that right nine one? I, I believe so. Two, yes. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine. I think there's nine turns on that on the north track. So we went over every single one in detail, uh, and he and he was able to address. Okay, Mitchell, you're in a Miata. You need to be in this gear here. This speed breaking here, and you know we had so that was the lowest horsepower car was the Miata we had out there. We had a full blown Viper super race car. I don't know, <laughs> seventeen hundred RPMs or something. I don't know, or seventeen hundred horsepower. That'd be a low RPM. Yeah, that'd be low RPM. Seventeen hundred horsepower, something, some unruly amount of horsepower. And, you know, so Tony would say, "Well, here's where you want to be here," and. So it was really cool because he was able to address each driver and in their car what they needed to do. And I learned a massive amount about Miata driving just as we did that track work. I mean, it was, I cannot say enough good things about how detailed it was. It was just, I was in the completely two spots on the track. I was in completely the wrong gear, completely the wrong gear. Um, wow. And so that, yeah, the track walk was massive. And I, I think that we need to get, you know, seven o'clock in the morning or something before the track walks out on the South track. I need to get all my fellow students together with Tony and we do the same thing on the South track because we only did the North track. And I was, okay. And I, I, and you probably could even do that if you wanted to, like in the golf cart, uh, you know, at six, seven in the morning as well. Yeah, we could. Yeah. Yeah. That would be so, very, very, very helpful. As a matter of fact, I'm going to put that on my calendar to request a uh, a private lesson with Tony, just just for the Graybeal family or something to to do that. 
Um, to back up one other question, how much was the class? I think it's $300. That's a good question. Okay. I think it was $300. Okay. Which included breakfast and lunch on the first day and breakfast and lunch on the second day, I'm assuming, but we didn't get right. breakfast and lunch. Can you just tell us how disappointed I am about the whole lunch I thing? know. I know. <laughs> I mean, you, and as thin as you are, you, I can't believe it. You know, you should be fat like me. Uh, uh so then, good. so so after lunch, after your track walk, and you know the rolling track walk in the morning, getting all understanding where you you should start, and going through your cars, and I'm assuming that they watched you, you know, making sure your equipment was all the right equipment, and they talked you through that. Um, when is the first time you fired up the cars for at speed lapping? Yeah, I think it, it's it's. Uh, uh, I think it was right around uh, one o'clock or something, or twelve thirty. It was pretty quickly after lunch. Maybe it was about twelve thirty. Perfect. That we that we got out there and we started off. Brad Beal took us around and we followed him. Oh, one thing he did for the track walk. This was cool. So Brad would take his car and he would put his car at how you enter the turn, and he would park his car there. Tony would take his truck and he would put the truck on the apex of every turn. Okay. So, so you had this idea of exactly where the cars are positioned for the for the entry and the apex, which is that was pretty cool. That is really cool. That's excellent. Yeah, that was that was a good idea. Um, and then, yeah. So I think Brad took us around the first few times, kind of like a lead follow. Before okay. we started, before we started into the uh, full blown lapping sessions. Okay. And how? So, how much track time did you guys get? How many different sessions did you guys run on the track? And after each session, did you guys come in and talk about what was happening out there? Yes. So I filled. So my new car does not have a gas gauge. That's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> so I did my best to fill it up with um, gas. Okay. And so I had a full tank of gas. I went out there and I ran out of gas by the end of the day, which is, oh, we'll get to that quant- chronologically, I guess. But anyway, so we uh, went, I think there's three sessions we had, and they were pretty long sessions. They were well more than, way more than 30, 30 minutes. And Good. I unfortunately did not have a way to get my lap times. Now, the coaches were telling me, don't worry about lap times. Just learn, worry about the correct use of the brake, accelerator, entrance, apex, and exit. However, I wanted my lap times. So <laughs> you sound like my 14-year-old boy when I, uh, for the race this Sunday. His first time going out for practice, I took his battery away on his Micron. And he's like, Dad, I need my Micron. I'm like, you need to focus on the track. You don't need to know if you're running fast or slow. You'll know it because you'll be keeping if, – if they're passing you, you're running slow. If, you, if you're passing them, you're running fast. And he was – it turned out to work out quite nicely. Yeah, coach. Yeah, that's what they told me too. Um, well, my son, he had his lap timer working in his car so he could tell how fast he was going and he was screaming. He was doing great. Uh, so 
Yeah, we did that. So after every lapping session, so the coaches would be at a different, they would be at a, at a corner and they would, t- they were taking notes for everybody. So as soon as we took a break, we'd come in, they'd give us a checkered flag. We would come in and we would sit back in a classroom and they individually would talk to us about what we were doing. So, so each one of the three coaches came around for each one of their corners and they, and they debriefed each of the drivers. That was pretty incredible. You were missing the apex before. Probably because you just weren't turning the wheel far enough. Because that time you went out, looked like a completely different driver. You hit the apex every time. One time you drove right over the curb because it turned so good. Okay. I remember that. Much better over one, over the curb, turn two, turn at the right spot, turn the wheel enough. Lo and behold, you're hitting the apex, hauling us on the exit. See what else they got here. It was like completely different. For the most part, good, 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 good. At the end, I think you could trail break a little more into two. To do that, you'd have to break a little later. You know, but right now, we're not worrying so much about going fast as technique. So now you got the line down. When That's we went awesome. back out, Yeah, when we went back out the second time, they stand, stood at a different corner. And, and subsequently the third time. So we were getting everything broke down. And I found that it was... It was extremely valuable to have that much coaching somewhat compressed in a day that, I mean, it was, I mean, I'm, I, I, I can't give it such, you know, a big thumbs up because if I would have known that this is what I was going to get and learn, I would have done it. I think I've been in, this is my fourth year, maybe at the track. I mean, I would have done it the first day. It was, it, that, that's how good it is. And even if, you know, I'm really encouraging my wife to go for the next one, even if you don't have any, she would never have any intention of initially, she could always change that, but you know, intentionally a wheel to wheel racing, but the quality of instruction was. It's just fantastic. another form of, yeah, it's, it's instead of, you know, getting that, getting Tony in the car with you, right. And, and doing laps with Tony, this is just another form of training that's out there. And, and, you know, did you have any book work or anything during this, this classwork or is it all just basically hands-on stuff? No, you had to read the, you had to read the, um, you were required to read the rule book before you showed up. Okay. <laughs> it's probably pretty good. Uh, but that, that was about it. Yeah. But I mean, it's a, just, it's an, another aspect. And would you see yourself after you've taken this class this year? Do you think us, uh, them giving? Would you take it again a, a second time, or yeah. maybe, or maybe yeah. would they uh, different like a, you know, secondary? You know, like instead of English one hundred and one, now we're you know we have driving school one hundred and one. Now we have driving school one hundred and two. Yeah, it was it, it was so valuable that yeah, I would do it again. I, I want the same instruction on the on the South Track. Uh, so if I could build the perfect, you know, this is. Who has four days? Who has, <laughs> yeah. you know, all this. But in my perfect world, we do it on the north. You know, just that, that track coaching. We sure. go to the south, do it on the south. So there was always a one, one day. I mean, for 14 years, it was a one-day school. This yeah. is the first time it's a two-day school. So I'm sure that to ask everybody to come for three, for three or four days is impossible. But in my perfect world to be on the north track, south track, do the same thing. We were looking at each one of the corners. Right. And then... We go into the second day, uh, which was did I mention dinner? Yeah, well, we already talked about dinner. Yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, 
that night, yeah, I ran out of fuel that night. So, yes, let's speak about you running out of fuel. Now you know you did you weigh your car before you went out on the track? No, no, no. no. Nor did I weigh my fuel. Nor did I know. But I think I put in about twelve gallons. So I think it's about a twelve gallon tank or something. So I, I filled it up and then. Did you flap that in? No, I ran until it. Uh, I went for the last session. And then it just stopped running. It just, I kept, and then I would coast and then the fuel would slosh and it would start back up. And I limped it all the way back to my garage. Oh, that's a heck of a limp. I know. It was a bit, <laughs> I know. Uh, so I was able to, I was able to get off while everybody else was going. Um, and that was the, yeah, first, first day, super good. Uh, super so that's fun. day one day. That's all day one. Then you wake up bright and early. The the chickens are, you know, the hens are making their noises and everything like that. And you get up, you get, now what do you have for breakfast? Psych day two. Yeah, well, my charge there, my co-pilot, my uh, driving partner, whatever, he was a little slow that morning. And um, I was busy doing something. I don't remember what I was doing. But we had to put the camper back because we were leaving right away as soon as it was over so we had to go get the camper and put that back and he had um a few other things he had to get done so we skipped breakfast ah oh uh, yeah very disappointing and, then, and you and normally you know you're not a big breakfast guy but i'm not tra- i'm not but at the track you know burritos the size of your head that's pretty good you can't miss it so you come in you roll in it's nine thirty in the morning now. What are you guys doing? Oh yeah, we were chasing the rain, so we were trying. They were trying to schedule it all around the rain. So I had rain tires for my car. I did not have rain tires or wheels for my son's Miata. So I was, I was able. Oh, that is one important thing. So your car needs to be race ready for the school. So whatever car you use, it has to be race ready, which means uh, technically, I guess it's got to pass some type of inspection and get a sticker. Tech. Yeah, that it's ready to go on the track. Which I really didn't know that until late, and there was a couple items that I had to address on our cars to pass inspection, which I was able to get them addressed, and I was able, like on Saturday or Sunday, to find some rain tires and wheels. Sure. So I, we were full blown; we were ready to go if because it, it, the, the the class was going to be rain or shine. And the next day we were, we, we decided just to go out. We had a little bit of classroom, but the next day was all about race, racing, all the flags, what to do in every situation. And it was, that was pretty valuable. I mean, I, I did learn a lot. I think, I, you know, I think my son learned a lot. We knew all the flags of course, but we didn't really, there was a lot of what ifs that we covered in the class that we had not thought of okay for example so, uh so when there is a rescue vehicle out on the track uh you can pass the rescue vehicle i at least didn't i really didn't know that why would there not be a red flag or a black flag to get the rescue vehicle on but the rescue vehicle can go around the track and they have the rescue vehicle flag out with the the white flag with the red cross and you can go around the the vehicle i didn't know that so unlike when you're driving 
on the highway system and an right. ambulance and an ambulance is about to pass you, you know, you pull to the side, you let said ambulance through this sort of a little bit of the opposite. You can go around the ambulance in a safe and effective manner. Right. Right. Gotcha. Right. Okay. And uh, a little bit about, uh, let's see, the pointing black flag means really don't do that again. The waving black flag means you or black flag, you come in. But uh, I, I always thought that if they point the black flag at you, you had to come in, but that's not. Sure it's, you're doing something bad yeah, as a warning. I just yeah. learned that the, the cart track this week, the blue flag with the yellow stripe on it, never saw that fly at the cart track. And that is telling the person who is being lapped to allow the said cart around them. Yeah, we talked a lot about that, about what to do when the person's coming up behind you. Uh, you know, you're getting the blue flag because faster traffic is approaching from behind. And you're right. I did see that in a car track. That's something you never – I've not been to a car track where they give a blue flag out. I've never seen that before at a car track. Uh, and it was it was welcome. I saw yeah. it one time because my kid was flying down and – Person got a black blue flag because he was. My son says that was just helpful because I get all nervous when he's he's, <laughs> he's at the edge of that that cart. Yes. Um, so it was nice. So yeah. So that was another one. A lot of passing stuff. A lot of Good. passing, which was the as we started the next day was the passing drill. So they set up cones and you were assigned a partner, and uh, two places on the track. Uh, you are to go side by side, separated two lanes with cones and two separated. And then as you merge into the apex, the person on the inside had the right of way. And so you just merged in behind him. Then you went, raced around a track side by side. You went into the other one. And then of course, as the other person gets, gets, uh, the right of way into the turn. We did that a lot. I mean, like 20, 30, maybe 40 minutes of nonstop, passing drills that were the way they were set up. And it's interesting to talk about how, and here's one thing I never thought about is when I go out and practice, I go out and practice singly for the entry apex and exit of the turn. But I never go out and practice as if I was passing somebody. So I never take the inside lane to drive through to pick up the race line, then hit the apex and go through. I'm like, why that dawned on me? Why am I not practicing that? That seemed yeah. that seemed elementary. I should have been smart enough to go. I should need to practice turning in every single corner from the inside, from the middle, and from the outside. Is there a way? And I'm just I'm Mark the spitballer here. Is there a way that you like you? Because I'm assuming Mitchell was your partner, correct? He was not. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. See, look what happens when you assume. Um, <laughs> but is there a way that you guys could, like, say it was you and Mitchell on a day that you guys wanted to go out and practice that passing together out on the on the north track or the south track, whatever track. Are there headsets that you can talk to the other person in another car that you could say, okay, you know, let's practice. Um, I'll make the pass up coming up on this turn here. How, how can you guys communicate that while out on the track? So as you said, you just go out there and see how fast you can keep laying down lap times. And you really weren't practicing the practice. Is there a way that you guys could communicate that to practice doing that on the track that you're both doing kind of a lead follow and he passes and then you pass and then he passes? 
Well, in the normal lapping session, there's only certain spots that are passing zones. Okay. So, and you can't pass in any, no corners are passing zones. However, recently they've added, when the track's available, they've had passing practice. I can't remember what they called it, but you can go out there and you can do that. So that was under certain rules, under certain, when, uh, I think it was like this past weekend, it was a North, or last weekend, I think it was a North track. You okay. could do pass and play, I think they called it. And that was open passing throughout the whole track. But you had to have a competition license to do that, to join in that. But, but that's now, a good yeah. Yeah, you know? but now that you, you and Mitchell have gone through that school, the two, the two of you guys can go out and do that. Because I think a lot of times, yeah, you, can, you could be the greatest guy to go out there and run the fastest, hottest lap ever in life created. But if you can't get around anybody, and you know you kind of come up to maybe some path because you're so fast that you're going to come up to lapped traffic you may get passed because you don't know how to pass well right right and yeah and practicing and obviously that's the that's the part that i think intimidates a lot of people is you know how can i outbreak the guy how can i and the only way to practice outbreaking a guy and pass them is in a race unless you do this pass and play type practice to know what your car can really do from the inside, and yeah. I think it'd be great. <laughs> yeah. So I was yeah. just th- I was just thinking like I think that's something that you know we we need to keep an eye out on the track when they when they're offering that you know everybody who's listening to the podcast and you have your competition license get out there work with somebody you know and and figure it out like you know maybe even just. You know, you pass you pass the one whole lap, and then the next guy goes and he does the passing on the next lap, and you guys can, you know, intertwine it. But just to keep it practicing and find a partner and go out there with them. So, yeah, because I, I mean, the yeah. boys do it down at the cart track all day long, don't they? I mean, they, they there, do. There, there is more passing going on at that cart track, and they intentionally will, you know, coming down the the, the front straight, they'll pull to the side and point their hand out and that other cart will zip in front of them and they'll suck up right behind them. And then they'll try to pass them throughout the whole track. And then the other one moves to the side. And so it's a great thing. And I think that speaks so loudly of everything they're teaching everybody all over the track. And that was a good thing. I didn't know that they had that for the big track where the pass and play on certain days of the week are available. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 So we ended up the day, I think we had, um, they were definitely not races, but they were uh, opportunities to go out, lap. Oh, a couple guys came out and helped us. Yeah, in the afternoon, a couple guys brought their cars out to help us. We had a few more cars out on the track. Oh, cool. And which was very helpful. And then we pra- we basically got every single every single possible flag was thrown at us. So we're basically doing kind of lead follow, <laughs> but they're yeah. but they're practice races where we're doing. Um, Standing starts, rolling starts, uh, sing, uh, single starts, you know, from like a, from a yellow flag or something. Lamas, and, and, did you guys do full, like, like 1968 Lamas starts? <laughs> no, we did not. There was no running. There was <laughs> no running jump in our car. It would have been cool though. Um, and Kyle, Kyle always wants to do a Lamas start. See, again, he has to come up in a podcast. Kyle has always dreamt of having a Lamas start cart trek race it'd be fun it'd be a blast yeah uh i do it 
And how far do you have to run? 50 yards? Hey, <laughs> hey, maybe we can after, bike, after, bike, bike, swim, and run. We could do that, yeah. then get in the cart. After this weekend of carting and, and you know, three months of, of us sheltering at, in place and eating, you know, French onion dip chips and cans of Coke, um, about eight feet would be about as far as I could run. <laughs> uh, well, it's a work. It's training. It's all training. Yes, it's all training. It's all training. So, yeah. so we beat the. We we got in. So we finished all the 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 practice racing. The two gentlemen that came in and helped us. They came. Big shout out um, to those guys. That um, Colin O'Brien came out. Rob oh. Rob Rob Weednar came out. Those two guys helped us. It was great and. Big shout out to those guys for their help. And then they came in and they briefed us. They debriefed us too. And we finished just as it rained. So we skipped lunch <laughs> to stay out on the track. And we finished just <clears throat> just as it as it started raining. And so we got done. Good. So got done. Excellent. Well, it sounds like it was definitely a class worth taking. It's definitely a class that even if you're not <clears throat> a wanting to be a competitive racer out on the track – it's going to make you a better driver. So way, yeah, I just, I can't say enough great things about it. The, uh, one of the coolest, the coolest things for me. So I, I have a car, 400 horsepower. I can dictate wherever I go, not 1700 horsepower like this. (laughs) I can pretty much dictate where (laughs) I was on the track and who I was next to when we were kind of doing these mock, uh, flag drills. I wouldn't call them races, but flag yeah. drills. And it was cool to pull up next to my son and his car and us going as fast as we can down to a turn and looking over and seeing my son, you know, driving a, a race car, me in a race car. That was a very, very memorable moment in my life. To, uh, and I, I will cherish that opportunity to get on the track and, and do that with him and that and that's cool. So it was really cool. That I mean, I hopefully someday I can experience that in a race car with Spencer. I'll tell you, I've experienced it out on the cart track with Spencer. I think that I, I, I don't know if you remember this, John. It was yourself and Mitchell and myself and Spencer. It was just the four of us out on the cart track, and we were we did a, like a, a, a semi little race, and you know we grouped up and everything like that with the boys on each side, you know, you, you, the, the gray Beals and P1, P2 and the McFarlane's and P3, P4. And I, it was such an experience to go into that first turn and you look and, you know, not very many parents will say this except racing parents and your kid is going as fast as he can. And you're going into a turn that easily most people would spin out and that we both hold the line and you go through those turns together. What a magical experience that is. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You don't get then not everybody gets to experience that, but you yeah. could. They, they could join yeah. the Audubon Country Club, yeah. right? But yeah, but I mean, it's so funny when you hear parents talk about their sixteen-year-old kid getting it, you know, their license and they're white knuckling it all the way through. And here we are with our kids, white knuckling with us is you know sixty-five miles an hour into a ninety-degree turn and hitting those brakes right at the right spot. That's <laughs> that's our white knuckling. And, right, you know, right. instead of pulling into the, the, the grocery store and going, oh, my God, we, we made it to the grocery store. I have no problem with my son driving to the grocery store. I have, my, I have no problem with my son driving anywhere 
even on those tracks that we have. So last question for you. So you got your license now, correct? You passed, Origi- I'm assuming. Original okay. license. I think you have to do three races a year. You have to do three races and you get a sure. real license. Okay. And then to keep it up, I think you have to do three races a year is how sure. that works to, to keep it. Otherwise, you have to retake the class. Okay. So both you and Mitchell have got your provisional license. Now, mm-hmm. my question says, so let's say you keep it active because easily both you and Mitchell will do three three races this year because I know I've already been hired to part of the pit team. Um, Spencer's on the pit crew. Um, <laughs> so now is this license, can you go, say, to – Gingerman, or can you go over to uh, Road America? And is that a, a license that you can put your car on their track? And would they look and they go, "Oh, you have that license. That's fine." That that's a great question, and I cannot answer that. I know that some places honor other people's race license. Okay, but I don't know what the current status of that is, or you know, and. SCCA race license, Sports Club of America, or the NASA race license, National something Sports Association. I don't know what NASA stands for. Not the NASA where we shoot off rockets, but the race car NASA. Which was very cool. Uh, So I can't can't speak for that. So I'm not quite sure. We'll have an answer. We will have an answer. So this is the – see, this is what, you know, in in producer world, that's that's a tease to come back next time and listen to find out that answer. So oh. you come, you've listened to this whole podcast, and you're like, "Oh my God, I wonder if my license is going to work because I'm going to Coda next week, and I don't know if I'm going to have a license there." If you come back to the podcast, you will have an answer for you next week. So I want to thank John Grabeel for coming in, talking to us, telling us about the licensing school, and thanks to everybody that puts the school on. We appreciate that. And we look forward to having everyone on our next Autobahn podcast. Hopefully, though, hosted by John Graybeal rather than me. But hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It was great. No, thank you. Thank you. Have a great day, John. Thanks for coming on. Bye. So that was that, that was good. That was a good outro. <laughs> did you like that? Is that what it's called? <laughs> what did you call it the other day? The end? The mount? What was the technical term for that? Uh, I have so many technical terms. Like the one I just did, the tease. Like the now tease you gotta come. Good. The tease. You gotta come back and listen. Find out what. Do I have a license? But we better write that down. Then, okay, let's find that answer out. You put that on me since I was supposed to be the. Oh, you know, figuring that out. Yeah. I think there are two questions that we didn't have total answers for. Um, one being, you know, is your license, can it be valid at other facilities? And then something I asked earlier, and you're like, oh, I'm not sure about that. Cool. Well, I had fun. How much time do we lay down? 50 minutes. You've been listening to Autobahn Country Club Podcast, where your host, club member John Graybill, opens the doors to America's premier auto sports club. Join us next time for Autobahn Country Club Podcast.